I am grateful for the blessings of Jesus when it comes to processing thoughts about his resurrection. You heard this, didn't you? He has blessed us in verse 29. It very specifically says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. That would include all of us who are here uh, because we are not at least first party to having seen the resurrection which is really the whole point of John's gospel. The reason he's writing this story of Jesus Christ is in order that we might believe, that we might hear the story of him, and that we might be completely enveloped by what he is offering for us, the opportunity to be a people connected with this risen Lord. Uh, You and I are overhearers of the gospel, though. Our context is not that we believe because we see Our context is that we see because we believe. You know that. Let me say that again. Our context is not that we believe because we see. Ours is that we see because we believe. We understand and identify with Thomas, or at least we should. At least the first part of what he was going through, the idea that he needed some kind of evidence in order to push him toward that moment of faith and belief, we wait for evidence. We are almost like non-residents of Missouri. You've seen their license plates, haven't you? The show me state. I tell you, that is incredulous thinking. It is this idea, give me proof on every subject. Give me proof. I want to see proof before I can move in any direction. You and I so often think in these ways. And I must say that the church functions better out of dogma than it does doubt. We don't know exactly what to do with doubt. Dogma, we've got that down pat. We can tell people what they're supposed to think and where they're supposed to believe and what they're supposed to do. But when it comes to just allowing for the questions that are a part of life, that gives us great disturbance. I had a friend share with me just recently, uh, she has been dealing with debilitating health issues all of her life, and she asked me through her tears, is it wrong to ask why? I assured her that it was not wrong to ask why. You and I should be, in fact, very aware not only of others' questions, we should be aware of our own questions. It was all just too good to believe. The disciples had received Mary's testimony, and what she said was fascinating. She had said, I have seen the Lord. They did not know exactly what to do with that information, but they were mesmerized at the thought. Too good, too good to be true. And so they cloistered themselves behind locked doors. And even there, Jesus showed up. I don't know how he came, but he came through the doors or the walls or through some secret passage. However he got there, it was a shock to them that he had shown up. And as he stood in front of them, 
he showed them his hands and his feet, his side, and he spoke to them these words, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then he gave this wonderful metaphor, this prophetic metaphor. He breathed upon them. Can you imagine that moment? John's telling of this is almost like his telling of the Pentecost. For Jesus said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is a choice that you must make. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The very nature of who Christ is is a part of the Holy Spirit's blessing. And at the very heart of that, from the earliest point in his ministry, he emphasized to people how they were to be forgiving of others. Some people have wrongly received this statement as if it's an authority given the church to determine who it is that is worthy of being forgiven and who it is is that is not worthy of being forgiven. That's not it at all. Don't you hear the discernment that he is offering to us to be who we are called to be because the church is always, by its very definition, This body of people gathered for the purpose of forgiving others. How far do you take this? Jesus would say, seven times 70. Have you heard that one before? This is the nature of who we are. When it comes to retaining the sins of any, is this something that you would want to do? For if we do not offer forgiveness, You know the weight that puts on people, the damage that is done, a world of hurt. The work, I tell you, of the Christian community is to forgive and even to cradle others in their doubt and in their pain and in their fear and in their confusion because it is out of such that you and I have been saved. Do we not trust God to do the same for others? Thomas was not with the disciples when all of this happened. Ever the pragmatist, he was off doing whatever it was that he thought that he should be doing. He had observed Jesus, this Lord that he had such respect for that at one point, earlier in ministry that he told Jesus, yes, let's go back to Jerusalem with him. We'll all die as a commitment of his life. And yet when he had seen Jesus die on the cross, he knew that it was over. He was convinced of it. And so went back to his labors or to his family, wherever he went, It was absolutely vital for him to hear the message that the other disciples spoke. Just as Mary had said to them, I have seen the Lord. When they came and found Thomas, they said, we have seen the Lord. John has a thing going with this story, doesn't he? 
because he realizes that this is what it is about. The promise of these words have the power to pull us into community with each other. And Jesus makes his appearance. And it almost seems that he chides Thomas with his words, you know. He says, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Have you believed because you have seen me? And then he makes that statement about us. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. In Ephesians chapter two, the apostle Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God. Do you believe that? It is the gift of God. In fact, it is God from the very beginning to in the very end, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one who cradles us in his story. The telling of the story at Augusta National is fascinating. There are all kinds of things that are going on up there today. You can just bet that that is the case. The readying for that course for the visiting of millions of persons that will come to see that great event that starts up later this week. Why is it that people gather? They gather for the telling of the story of the masters. When else do you see men getting excited about putting on a green jacket? It is amazing what they do. The greens will be immaculate. The course trimmed just precisely so. The azaleas, I've heard that it was said, this may be folklore, but I've heard that they will even put ice at the base of the azaleas in order to tweak the timing for when the peak moment will be that they will bloom. Don't tell me if that is not the case. It is just too good of a story. And the story is what they are doing. They are propelling the idea of this event for future generations. And we tend Easter. I hope that you're tending Easter. There has been great effort in the last couple of weeks in order to make Easter what it was last Sunday, but even to carry over to this Sunday. Do you all remember, if you were here, that there was a beautiful cross covered with flowers? If you came in by way of the narthex, you saw that cross still there and celebrating the glory of Easter. There are still Easter lilies 
here in the sanctuary. There are reasons to celebrate, but this has to be tended. Kathy Barnes has been up here every day this week with her water can spritzing the flowers in order that they would still look new and fresh for this day. This is a story that is worth our sharing. Do you believe that? We are called to be God's Easter people and to share the message and even to do it in such a way that we affirm the questions. Think of how terrible it would have been if the disciples had shut Thomas down for his doubt. It was out of that questioning that you and I can see ourselves at work cradling the mystery of something that always is greater than we will ever understand with our intellect. Allowing Christ to be made known even in his mystery. You and I can share with others those glimpses that we receive and it will profoundly impact the world. I have seen the Lord. Have you? Have you? 